Ooh. Oh shit! Hold on, let me do this first. Let me save myself some uh, time editing. Hey guys, welcome to the Paddler's Playbook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, of podcast land. Thermal convection, man. These dudes almost killed me. You know, redfish are really dumb. How do you take your marsh dump? This fool used all my toilet paper. Bro, Well, now that Drew's done dragging this on. TPP 15. You gonna get a dozen shrimp? Hey, you throwing that cast net again this weekend? Oh, good lord. I almost died. I do not want to paddle that far. Once again, he almost died. I'm not waking up at butt crack dawn. I'll see you at the launch around noon. I love wake baits. Haven't you ever heard them chatter? Let me double back here first. And now, a word from Saltside Jet. Oh, yeah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle. Check out our sponsor. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. No, like, check out our sponsors. Check out our sponsors. I know you're gonna dig this. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land. I'm your host, Drew Turner. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Lewis, and we are live from the Mariner Sales We are live from the Mariner Sales Studios. What's happening, Cat Daddy? We are live, but you are barely alive right now, aren't you? Holy shit, I'm exhausted. Well, we we, we made it we made it like six seconds into the show before Chris dropped a S bomb. So (laughs) I think that's a new record. Yeah, excuse me if I yawn quite a bit through this episode. I'm going to try not to, but uh, maybe that'll be the last one. Maybe I'll just try really hard not to do that again. Oh, man, you had to wake up at 4 a.m. to go fishing. It's a rough life, bro. It's a rough life, you know, getting up in the morning, hitting the water, and just fishing all day. It is rough. For these tournaments, I got to wake up at 3 well, actually, I have to leave my house by three to fish in these tournaments. Okay. We definitely ha- this has got to be an episode where we recap GRS and do some tourney talk. Um, but right now, let's not do that just yet. Let Let's not talk tourney yet. You want to talk about Father's Day? Father's Day was this past weekend. Did you do anything fun and exciting, or get any cool, Drew. fun, exciting fishing anything? Drew, okay, so you probably don't know this, and I don't know if our listeners, if I've ever said this on the podcast before, but um, I don't, I do not put stock into holidays like Valentine's Day, birthdays, um, you know, Father's Day, Mother's Day, things like that, and the reason being is because expectations mm-hmm. you know growing up we were sort of impoverished and it really sucked because if you had expectations you would get let down mm-hmm. so you know what's great for father's day and i read something a while back that was actually really really cool um fathers don't actually wait for gifts they just buy what they want. They just buy what they want throughout the year. Mm-hmm. What they really want on Father's Day is just to hang out with their family. Mm-hmm. You know, just to just to be with family. If they've got kids, which of course you know they're fathers, so they. <laughs> but if they have their kids around, spend time with their kids. Um, 
I, I really didn't even bother, you know, with any of that. I went on my, my regular business schedule, dude. Sunday is a business day. Sunday is a business day in the house of Lewis. Business as in like grocery shopping. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Stuff like that. Meal prepping, grocery shopping, um, yard work. You know, it is business day. So with that said, how was your father's day? <laughs> it was good. Wesley mowed the front yard and weed eat it. Um I got Is it some the day to like guilt your your kids into like doing? Hell yeah! <laughs> yep, I'm like I'm not doing any yard work, but the yard needs done. So you guys go ahead and take care of that. Um, I got some homemade apple fritters. Those were delicious. For some reason, I was craving apple fritters. Don't ask me why. I was just craving apple fritters. So I got homemade apple fritters. Uh, nice ribeye. I got I got a fishing duffel bag because apparently that's what our seven-year-old decided i had to have um so you know you talk about gifts and stuff and this is something that me and jess do with the boys we will take them to walmart or academy and to the just, walmarts just give them set amount of money and tell them they can buy whatever they want like we don't give them any input. We just let them get whatever they want. For so she, you. Yeah. It, well, no, no, no. For like, I'll take the boys for Mother's Day. Right. To Academy, right, right. Walmart, whatever. And they can just get whatever they want for for, uh, for Jess. Jessica. Yeah. And then she takes them and just let them pick whatever they want. So I got a fishing duffel bag that has rod holders on it. Um. For my next Devil's River trip is what he said. It's a, it's a big duffel bag. Uh, I got three microfiber fishing towels and some fishing soap. So that what, is what they decided. What is fishing soap? I It's walnut husk and essence of lemon. It's supposed to take the stank. Supposed to stank, take the stank. Speaking, off your hands. Speaking of stank, Drew, I did something today that I haven't done in a long time. And what I mean by long time, I mean it's been years. Probably three, maybe more years. Well, no, it's probably been four, maybe five years. I went with a specific target of trout in mind this weekend. Are you so sick? We tried to... we. I wanted, you, you know, do you want ceviche? Is that what it was? No, I wanted, I wanted trout tacos. Oh, okay. I had, I had fresh trout tacos on my mind. So, so you we were went, craving trout tacos, and I was craving apple fritters. Got it. I, I mean, dude, I crave apple fritters like all the time. Like, I could wake up in the morning and be like, "Damn, an apple fritter would be really good right now." But, um, yeah. Anyway, so speaking of stank, like I said. I forgot how bad trout truly freaking stink, dude. They are an awful smelling fish. And not only that, but they bleed mm -hmm. everywhere. I had to clean the boat with barkeeper's friend for like an hour because of all the damn blood. I think it's because they, they regurgitate so much. Like 
they throw everything up whenever you're keeping them and you put them in a live well <laughs> or something. It's just nastiness comes out of those trout. Well, it's just they just stink, dude. I mean, we went we went uh, Saturday night. You know, I told you that we were going to go night fishing, so Michelle and I went night fishing Saturday night. We only caught a bunch of sand trout and some small speckled trout. Um, and you're right; they were they were throwing up small little um, glass minnows all over inside the boat. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, throw them up all in your kayak and everything. Speaking else. of stank trout, stank man. And one year for Father's Day, I remember Michelle bought me a solid bar of stainless steel. To wash your hands and stuff? To wash my hands with. Yeah. And that actually works. Works very well. It it has... You get that metallic smell, though. Like, I don't know. That metallic smell... Would you rather have a metallic smell or a fishy smell? Well, right now I have the smell of walnut husk and lemon essence and it smells really good but but for some reason and this is gonna sound really weird and i bet no other bro staffer had when i smell that metallic smell it makes my teeth hurt and don't that it's weird you're just freaking weird hey by the way my tiktok my tiktok that i created today was in thought of you um so whenever you get a chance to go and and take a view at it oh um, i saw it I saw it right before we started. <laughs> you had them Cheeto claws out there on the side of the boat. I saw it. You need to put, you got you some good shoes. You need to put them on. That's something else I got for Christmas. I got me some uh, Astraloyaks because my drain makers finally died to death. The I don't, front I don't see how came you... off and the back. Drain makers like lasted one year for me, and that was it. They were they were the worst draining shoes I've ever had in my life. Loyaks are awesome, but um, when you're up on a polling platform, you need as much tactile function in your feet as possible, if that's even the the right term. And barefooted is the best way to go. You're the term. See, now I get to be all... Come on, Mr. bring it. Mr. Smarty Science Guy. <laughs> Are you talking about you, you need to have the, the, the balance? my digits. You, you need to have balance on the top of the polling skiff. I need to have balance, and I need to be able to be aware of where the edges are at. So, my friend, that is called proprioception. And okay. you, are trying to, you are trying to make your proprioceptors, which... A lot of them are found in your ankle and your feet. It tells your body where they are in space. So that is what you're talking about. You are talking about so, proprioception. I get proprioceptive all the time on that platform. So without my shoes on, it's mega proprioceptive. No, it's less proprioceptive. Oh, okay, you, you have less receptors going <laughs> off. All right. So back to uh, this podcast here that we're, <laughs> we're talking about. We can about let it. me be the smart guy every once in a while. We can let me. You're Mr. Das all the time. We're going to talk, talk some PT two, a little bit. Two major topics on this episode. And I hope you guys that are listening really, really enjoy it because it is just Drew and I today. And we're going to talk about summertime because way down yonder in the Chattahoochee, it gets it's hot. It's really hot. Hoochie coochie. It's hot. hot. 
And you know, have you seen that we're actually destined for some hundred, eight hundred, nine days coming? I'm up? I'm fishing in the Southeast Texas Bass League Kayak Bass League tournament on Saturday. It's supposed to be a hundred and five. So. It's gonna be hot. So how do you how do you deal with with heat like that? You know, okay, there there's a couple of things, right? Like you have to prepare yourself. But in order to just survive the day, right? Yes. It starts you, it starts two days before, but we'll get into my thoughts on this. I, it's but then you it starts also, two days before. You also have to prepare yourself for what's going to take place on the water. What are the fish going to do? What are they what's the difference there? And I have a, a theory about this year um, that and usually I'm pretty spot on about some of these crazy whacked out theories that I have in my mind. Um, or at least I believe I'm spot on and, uh, nobody can tell me any different, but <laughs> this, this year has gotten the fishing world turned up on its, is it just upside down? It's just weird. It's wacky. It's backwards. It's sideways, upside down. Um, there's a lot of people out there that just can't figure it out. The kayak fishing world has turtled. It's, it's not just kayak fishing, dude. Just fishing the, in general. Fishing has turtled. Yeah. Um, and it's just this year. This year, something weird's going on, man. Before you get into these theories, let's, let's take care of a little housekeeping. Um, I've, got a, I've got a bunch of messages lately. Hey, What's the discount code for Mariner Sales, guys? What do we do? How do we get the discount at Mariner Sales? All you have to do, guys, if, if you don't know, go over to the Bro Staff page. Chris has an instructional video over there on what you have to do. But all you have to do is click on the menu on the top, scroll down to the Bro Staff Favorites, pick Talking anything. Talking about on the Mariner Sales On website. the Mariner Sales website. Um, hit the bro staff favorites, choose what you want, put it in your cart, enter promo code bro staff, and you can get anything in the bro stats favorite section with our discount code. So just so everybody knows, the bro staff favorite section was created for one specific reason, and that's because there are items out there that cannot, cannot. be discounted. Hobie, come on, Hobie. Yeah. They're they're pretty tight, but but you know what? That game's been going on forever, dude. And it's not just Hobie. Um, you know, you can't get Jackson stuff on discount. Um, it's, from it's mainly places. Hobie though. It's but it's mainly Hobie, yeah. It, yeah, but it's mainly Hobie. It's it's not Hobie, but it's mainly Hobie. And speaking of Mariner sales as well, guys, you have a few weeks left. Well, when this airs, you got about ten days left. Um, to get head your comments in. Yeah, head over to the Playbook Facebook group and get your comments in there. Uh, Mariner Sales. Fantastic we, contest going on. Yeah, we're giving away some Burley products. We're giving away the Burley Orb. We're also giving away a FPV Power Hub to whoever comments there, guys. Uh, we're going to put all the... And I say comment. Whoever makes a post and... I'm proud of the bro staff, Chris, because the posts have actually been real posts. It's not just like, I'm yep, here yep. to win, end of the post. It's been actual posts on there, so I'm, yes. I'm proud of you guys. And they there have been some effort 
to do some product placement as well. Yeah, they've cultivated the post for the Playbook Facebook group. Check that out on Facebook. Our next step needs to be growing yes. the Playbook. Because we need to grow that a lot. Guys, if, you, if you're over there on the Facebook page, I know Facebook is like a cesspool of you know, social media, but you know, we try to have good things like the Playbook page. Um, we can share links on Facebook. That's the big thing. Like you can share links and we can share the page. Well, we can share each new episode well, as well. I was going to say, sir, is that our group there is only about 500 people. And comparatively speaking, I mean, some of these other groups have thousands of, of uh, participants. And the more people that we get to participate, the larger it will grow and the more information we can share. Um, eventually, more things we can give away. You know, yeah. it's it. the size of the group matters. Size matters, man. Size matters. The size of the group matters. It it really does. So beyond beyond the group, dude, you you sent me a message the other day about um, some of our, you know, we have an obligation to some of our um, sponsors, and that part of that obligation is to actually participate in their goods. You know, when they have new items that arrive, we are supposed to get those items. And we're supposed to, um, you know, test them out, talk about them, um, you know, show them off, things like that. And I just got my box in the mail the other day. And I've got to tell you, the new... Okay, I, I thought last year that the Conroe Henley couldn't be topped. Like, that was like the ultimate shirt the conroe henley from real sportswear yes i thought that was like the ultimate shirt dude. i mean i was like this is comfortable i can wear it fishing i can wear it out i can wear it to work because it was a fishing shirt it was a performance outerwear shirt but it had buttons so adding those buttons puts it in that level of makes it bougie clothing <laughs> Well, it puts in that level of clothing that can actually be tucked in, one with a belt, you know, something like that. But as far as comfort goes, the new Alizon from Real Sportswear is out of this world, dude. And if you haven't placed your order yet for a new product, jump on it, grab the Alizon. It is freaking unbelievable, man. Um I'm pretty sure my wife's probably going to steal it as a uh, as a night shirt because it is comfortable as hell. I just placed my order actually about two hours ago. I just put my new order in. I saw. Did you yours. order the Amazon? No, I got the and I don't want to screw up the name, so I'm pulling it up right now. Um, I got the new Tide Gauge. New Tide so, Gauge hoodie. Yeah, I got the Tide Gauge hoodie. Um, I got the other. Badlands camo. So I had the um That's funny. I ordered the same one. The Badlands? Yeah. Well I saw yeah. you with your uh with your what's I the had other Badlands one on today. Yeah. Well there's the two Badlands. There's uh the darker, the black, and the um the light the wetlands. So I have the wetlands 
Um, I ordered the black, and I saw you wearing yours at the weigh-ins for GRS, and I was like, man, I better call him, because I don't want both of us to show up wearing the same exact <laughs> real sportswear camo <laughs> camo uh, shirt. So I got the black Badlands, I got the Tide Gauge, and then I ordered just some of their new T-shirts. They have some really cool new yes, okay. T-shirts in the ladies' collection. Guys, if you want to buy for your ladies, do it, because I, a lot of these... Um, these styles and creations that Andrew has are one-offs, man. They're not. There, there are some that stay classic, and he'll always have them. Um, but these, I have a feeling these ladies' shirts are going to. Once they're gone, they're gone, dude. And yeah. that was the Aaron, which is one of their most popular female or women's shirts. Um, was po- so freaking popular he had to bring it back but i i really do dig these new lady shirts man i think they're uh they're pretty hot i got a foamy chris you're gonna love it bro you're gonna I love got, it i got the foamy for the black wetlands um so if if we do decide to match you can wear your wetlands one and i'll wear the badlands black and then we can have the same but different we can do that all right, man. Next next Mariner Sales Demo Day, we've got a match. <laughs> we'll see what everybody we we'll see what everybody says about that. So, uh house housekeeping 101, I think we're good there. Um GRS is not until July 9th. 9th. Um you'll be probably a little uh, upset to hear I'm not fishing the kayak division for July 9th. Um, I'm turning in since I did pay my full entire season up front. Um, and I'm not able to make the August event now. Um, we've got a, something that we've got to do for my wife in Ohio. Um, I went ahead and asked Hunter if he could take my two lat my my August and my July and combine them and just fish the boat division in July. So I'm going to go for one of them big checks, man. And hopefully, cause I tell you what, it has been a freaking grind and getting into what we're going to talk about later. What? Yeah. That, you've been grinding too. It it's no, but keep going. Yeah. So get getting into our second part of our show, which will be the summertime discussion. Um, the GRS itself has been a grind. Um, Drew, I know you have a story to tell. And I, I know everybody has asked me what happened GRS as far as myself. And I told them you're going to have to wait to listen to the episode. So I'll put my story out there too. But, what you experienced is rookie shit, bro. Rookie shit. And it it's your brother. I'm sure I told him, I'm like, dude, you're going to have nightmares about this situation. Mm-hmm. Probably for a few years. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. Tell all. You were having a great day, right? 
Look, no, I was having a horrible day. So okay. let me let me preface all of this by saying I did not end up contributing a fish to our last GRS event. I did not put a single fish into the boat. I hooked multiple fish. Not a single fish went into the kayak. So I'm going to preface it by saying that I did not contribute to the bag or the debauchery um, at all. But you you've said that GRS has been a grind. We've been we've been on fish all we've been on fish since like April. Um we've got an area pretty well figured out. Um and when I say pretty well figured out, I can't tell you where they're going to be, but we find them if that makes any sense. Like I can't tell you exactly where they're going to be on a low tide or when the wind's ripping or what, but every time we've gone out there, you know, we've put, you know, 14 pounds, 13 pounds, 15 pounds in the boat pre-fishing, um, with two fish tournament day, everything. So anyways, so we get out there pretty early, um, I get broke off quickly. Uh, we hit some spots where we had caught fish before. We're not catching fish there. It's hard for me not to get distracted, especially on tournament day, and saying, hey, we need to move. Let's change tactics. Because I'm like you. I'm like, let's grind it out until we find them. Let's grind it out, grind it out, grind it out. But on tournament day, you can't necessarily completely grind out one area you probably need to move around a little bit unless you are a thousand percent positive that's where the fish are so me and my brother are going he hooks in to a very large redfish um in slot gets it in the boat gets it in the kayak gets the fish grips on it gets a weight on it you know we're looking at anywhere between 714 and 711 depending on how much it's moving around you know it's a it is a very very nice fish uh throw it in the live well sloshes around a little bit you know we're pumped right now i think it's like 730 um whenever he hit this fish 730 hit it got in the live well yes well in the same area, I throw out there, I'm like, fish on, boom, set the hook, jerk back, two cranks of the reel, pop, there it goes, it's off. So it busts me off, and I'm not 30 yards um, for my brother behind me. That's your second break off? Uh, yeah, that's my second break off of the day. Completely different, completely different rod, completely different line. You know, this was 40-pound braid. I don't know what happened. I don't know why that one broke off. The one before was 17-pound fluoro. Ugh. Ugh. So, what is your problem, man? It's I wasn't. It's one of my bass reels, and I wasn't going to re-spool it. So, anyway. So, that's my second break-off of the day. And then I hear my brother behind me, and he's like, Man, this fish keeps turning. I can't keep him up. 
I'm like, all right, well, revive him real quick and then put him back in the live well. So he's like, all right. So he reaches back there, gets the fish grips on the fish, gets him in the water, revives him. He's starting to kick around and stuff, gets him, puts him back into the live well. So we're fishing for another 15 minutes in this small little area. And then all I hear is cussing. Cussing, 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 cussing. And I'm like, what is wrong? But after he put the fish back in the live well, I, I told him, I'm like, hey, man, don't don't mess with that fish no more. Just let him be. Let him be. If he flips on his side, he flips on his side. Like, we'll, he'll, he'll be a fine in the live well with the aerator. So I hear cussing, 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 cussing. And I turn around and I'm like, what happened? He's like, I dropped the fish. And I'm like, mm, what do you mean? Mm, th- those weren't mm. the words that he used. And I'm like, what do you mean you dropped the fish? I told you to quit messing with that fish. And he says, it went on its side again. I got him out. I got him on the fish grips. I was reviving him. He kicked off. He kicked off the fish grip. And now he's gone. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. We See, had, that fish knew uh, how to play Chris from the very beginning. Dude, like... If it was strong enough to flip off the fish grips, it was fine in the dang live well. So anyways, so we we keep on fishing and not, I don't know, five, ten minutes later, I'm still a little mad. Um, And I don't know why I'm mad. It was his fish. He caught it. If he wanted to let it go, he could let it go. Heck, I didn't catch it. Well, because y'all are fishing as a a team. I know, but I'm still, I'm trying to in my head say it's okay because it wasn't my fish anyway i shouldn't be that mad wasn't my fish i didn't catch it anyway oh hell so i hook into a smaller fish it's probably 24 25 maybe five and a half pounds i'm i'm so irritated i try to reach back and grab my net i can't reach my net so i decide to boat flip this fish and as soon as i go to boat flip it choo here comes my my weedless flying back at me so i don't get him in the boat at all so I'm I'm a little upset, and then probably an hour later, my brother hits a uh, six and a half pound fish, and you know going back in my head, I probably should have got my net, took my time, because I believe like twelve five one second place, um, just that twenty five inch fish that I boat flip and miss probably would have put us in the money. Um, that 714, 711 definitely would have put us in second place. Um, and to top it all off, right after my brother catches the 6-5, I get broke off again. Just as soon as I set the hook, I get broke off again. And this was on a completely separate rod. So three separate rods, 40-pound braid, 17-pound fluoro, and 30-pound braid. I get broke off on hook sets. And I don't know what the heck happened. I tie, the, I tie the same knot every so single time. what you time. probably need to do is go ahead and strip off about 10 yards. It's brand new. Like, the 40-pound was brand freaking new. And we're not fishing in anything but grass. That's what I don't understand. But I'm that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take off more than 10 yards. I'm going to take off about 30 yards of line. I mean, yeah, go I don't, ahead and strip I don't know, off. all of them. Um. 
you you probably don't realize or don't know, but you probably had that. Just like line, uh, a rod can get a bruise in it and then break it at any given moment, line can also get some abrasions and you not know about it. Um, and let's say you put your, your reel down somewhere um, in your car or something like that and it, it was rubbing on something. Well, in that little area on your spool could affect you know 20 10 to 20 yards of line on on two of them i think i know what it was on the one with the fluorocarbon i was using that to catch flounder the weekend before and i probably caught i don't know four or five flounder with that and i had the same jig head tied on i didn't change out my jig head yeah so i'm i'm sure it got nicked there um, but the forty pound was brand new line. You had you first had the same out. you had the same jig head tied on. That means you didn't even check your knot. My knot's good. My knots are not, always good. You're not, until you're not until it's only good. You're, you're, you should check your knot after every fish. I, I'm checking and possibly my line before every tournament now and retying every single lure on. Every yeah, single lure you need to. But that goes with experience, like you were saying. Yes. There was there were some rookie. Rookie mistakes there. Um, you know how you do. You know how you you go ahead and get that. Take that problem out of the equation. Okay, when you're done fishing, remove the lures from your rods and reels. Remove the lures, put them back where they belong. You won't have to worry about. Oh well, it's already tied on. I'll just go ahead and use that. Um, you won't have to worry about that. So, my story is a continuing continuing saga <laughs> of just crazy um backwards um unexplainable type days so some of the things that I want to talk about I won't I won't really get into depth until we start talking about the summertime because there was a pattern that we were chasing that ties into summertime fishing. Okay. But what we did was we, I stopped pre-fishing the weekend before. Okay. Um, I started to think about it and it's, it is absolutely just not necessary. And not only is it not necessary, it's, it's ludicrous to pre-fish the week before a day before two days before a week before i believe that you should pre-fish much earlier than that and then you should watch your conditions the entire time so we had done some pre-fishing in this area um and basically we were trying to match the conditions and the conditions did match up for tournament day the only condition that didn't match up was 20 mile an hour winds so we knew that we had an incoming tide we knew that we had uh, you know a south wind everything was matching up for um the last time that we pre-fished this area so it was like okay conditions should be good once we get there to this this area there should be fish here and then we can migrate with them and continue to catch them until they leave their parting area in this particular system we get there and we see a small group of birds 
working. I mean, uh, Drew, we got there at 6.05, and we entered the marsh lakes, and we saw birds. And it was like, oh, this is going to be on fire. You, you would be proud of me, Chris. I waited 14 minutes until first cast, and we were already in the first spot that we wanted to fish. With 14 minutes to spare. You waited 14 minutes for what? For first cast. Oh, so you got to your you got to your We got to spot our spot 14, 14 minutes, minutes early. early. Yeah. Good. Good. Um I was late. We were late because <laughs> we actually we couldn't we couldn't use plan A. We had to switch to plan B. Okay? And so we had to change our complete our route to get to where we wanted to go. Um, so we were a little bit late. We had to take a much longer delayed route. Um, and that was because of conditions and the wind. But we get there, 6.05, and there are birds working. And we're like, oh, this is ding dong. It's on, man. It's going to be a fantastic day. Let me ask you a quick question. Were the yep. birds, like, working the grass? Like, we saw birds Open working. Open schools, bro. The first time I've seen this. There were birds, like, not working the water, the land. What? They were in the grass, dude. Like, the grass on the side of the marsh. They were not in the water. I mean, there might have been a little bit of water, but whatever well, they birds, were eating. Birds typically do that. They typically walk on the sides of the, you know. No, the they were flying, coming down in the grass, picking something up and flying off. But it wasn't bait Shrimps. fish because they're... There wasn't nothing underneath. It was like inches of water. Whatever hmm. they were getting, I couldn't. We couldn't get back to them. Well, so we, go ahead. We actually had open water schools, and it was it was. I'm telling you right now, it is ridiculous. Um, my tournament partner, Scott, if you're listening, man, I know you're frustrated, bro. You have not boated. He has not boated a single fish this entire season, and. The dude just has not, he has not fished. And those of you guys who, who are just now getting into tournament fishing or who are frustrated because, you know, your fishing game really hasn't come up as hard, as far as you would like for it to come up, it's probably because you're not spending enough time on the water. Time on the water is the most important asset to a successful fisherman. It's not how many rods, how many reels. It's not how many lures you have. It's not the, the watercraft that gets you out there. It's the time on the water and the experience that you gain from being on the water. I think it's learning what plan B or your next step is whenever you're not seeing the action that you expected. Well, that's okay. That that is also you know going I mean? to tie into to, the well, summertime tactics. Yeah, experience time on the water. Like when you're going in your head thinking, okay, the wind's gonna lay down. I'm probably gonna find some redfish tailing on this shoreline, and you get there, and there is no action, and it's dead. Okay, where do I go now? Instead of just sitting there, like, well, crap, let me blind cast the shoreline because. I think they're supposed to be here. Well, that is when... 100% going to be one of the things that I want to talk about. But I'm still talking about this story, dude. Go, go, go. You, sorry, sorry. No, I keep you, interrupting. I keep gonna, going. You're going to shit yourself here in just a little bit, okay? 
I almost did when I was telling my story. You almost had to do this by yourself for a few minutes, but go ahead. <laughs> so anyway, the open water schools are something that, that people don't realize. Um, I know I've talked about it before. The schools that are on grass lines tend to hold four and five pound fish. Okay. That's not something that you want to turn in on tournament day. Open water schools hold very large fish because these are the fish that have learned to, to work together to feed. And you will find, I'm telling you right now, you will find the biggest ones are not at the front. Okay. The biggest ones are not the guys leading the charge. All right, They're the chilling. biggest ones are the smart ones that are just chilling, you know, picking up all the stuff that the f- ones in the front stirred up and left behind. So anyway, we we see these schools, and I'm not just talking about one or two or three. There's like seven of them. All right, I I pick the one that I'm going to go after so that I you know I'm like Scott. Take this one over here. That way, you know, I can move around very wide and not disturb this school. And I can make my way to this school over here. He hooks into one and he's getting drug around all over the place. I look back and I just keep seeing him just turning circles, turning circles, turning circles. And then all of a sudden, gone. I'm like, I'm like, what happened, dude? He's like, I don't know. It just came off. It just came off. All right. Which is worse? Which is worse? Getting Breaking drug- off or coming off? <laughs> getting drug around like that and having it broke off or just getting broke off as soon as you set the hook and like two seconds later it snaps. Which is more frustrating? Getting drug, drug getting drug around because then you know you know for sure that was a good fish. You're like, oh, that's a good fish. So I asked him, I said, hey, man, well, what are you fishing with? And he's like, well, I'm just fishing with a tail. Okay. Tip right here, okay? If you're in an area with open water schools, don't throw a tail. You can, okay? It's still it's still effective. They're going they're gonna they're gonna hit it. But you better set that hook like an absolute maniac. You have no idea which direction that fish has picked up your lure and turned. It sometimes will come straight at you. And if they come straight at you, there's no way you're gonna get a good hook set. Personally, I love throwing a crankbait, like a waker or mm-hmm. a chopo, right on the edge of an open water school. Because I know some big bad boy is going to come around the outside of that school and it's going to gulp it up. And then you get two treble hooks in them jaws. I've got six. I've got six chances to keep that fish on the line. Unless now, you don't change out the hooks and it breaks your hooks off of your okay, yeah, I but had that's a in, different story. No, I had, I had one out today. Hey, well, last year I had one break off for the um, Toys for Tots tournament, so that's what I'm saying. I I've been there too. Hunchback broke the dang hook off. So, so I'm we're catching fish left and right, or I I'm catching fish left and right. Um, Scott is having just. Trouble, dude. Trouble, trouble, trouble. And he, I point out another school to him. I'm like, okay, look, man, 50 yards to the east, there's another school over there. 
I'm chasing this one down over here. Go ahead and, and go after that one. I look over, and I don't know what happened, but he I think he ran straight through it. Didn't see then it at he, all. Yeah, he didn't see it at all. Um, and that, my friends, is, is tournament fishing. Shit like that's going to happen. Yep. Um, but what do you do when you're faced with extreme conditions? You need to get back to weigh-in and your equipment fails. My dude, I almost died that day. <laughs> and let me tell you why. Because on the way back to the launch, it was about 20 mile an hour headwind in our face. Okay? And there was a current that was from the incoming tide that was moving west to east. And we needed it to go west. All right, so I'm calculating 20 mile an hour east to west income. I'm trying to figure out where y'all were at. All right, got, <laughs> it. got yeah. it, got it, got the area. So, and my uh, my fin ripped on my Mirage Drive. I had gotten pushed by the wind onto an oyster reef, and I couldn't get off. And it ripped, the oyster reef ripped. And it's my old version one or version two GT drive. So it's not my 180 drive, which are prone to ripping. This one is, is like the tank, right? The tank of all Mirage drives. It's not, it's not known to be one that gets ripped. Anyway, the fin ripped and rendered my Mirage drive nearly useless. So I had to pull the Mirage drive out. And paddle the outback. Paddle. The in 20 mile an hour wind with an incoming current that was way stronger than it it normally in an outback with the mirage drive i can travel at approximately four miles an hour sustained mm -hmm. okay it took to go two miles two and a half hours to go two miles to paddle yeah it was absolutely excruciating. I came this close. And guys, if you can't see because you're listening and we're not on video, I understand. But I'm holding my fingers up and I don't have but maybe a centimeter in between them. I was that close from beaching my kayak and walking. <laughs> Just saying, forget this. Yep. Yep. I had farmers waving to me. Hi, buddy. <laughs> And I'm like, no, 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 go get your boat, bro. Come, come pick me up. Come help me out. I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna make fun of you or say anything about Hobie and the fins or anything, because I will sure enough jinx myself and bust everything on that old town the drive for the time. next tournament. So I Look, ain't saying nothing. I've had this this drive since my very first Hobie. That's you gotta carry duct tape drive. with you. Carry some duct tape. I am, that's being prepared, right? I need mm -hmm. to think more about um, the small things that could happen that turn into big things. Duct tape. While I'm out there. Well, I would probably use um, gorilla, gorilla tape. tape. But anyway, so guys, the, the two previous GRS events, I was 
greeted with conditions that were completely backwards and upside down from my pre-fish days. And that's what ended in failure for those events. This event, the conditions were right, but I had equipment failure. Um, it has been a grind, dude. And it's, it's sad and, and, uh, frustrating not to be, you know, to work this hard and not to be on the top when you, you're coming off of multiple years of being a top dog in, in many of these events. Mm-hmm. But again, it's tournament fishing. It's any dog, any day. And these things are cyclical. As long as I get back on the water and I start getting my head right into this game, I will be fine. I'll get back. I'll get you, back to the top. Did you notice anything when uh, Hunter posted the team of the year standings? Oh, that you're right behind me. Uh, no, we are tied for 10th place. We are tied for 10th right now for team of the well, year. Why'd he put you below me? Because your name starts with a C and my name starts with a D. <laughs> It was in alphabetical order. I'm being serious. We're you're we're 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 both tied for tenth in team of the year. But you're gonna be in the boat division for the next one and we're gonna be in the kayak division still. Yeah. So Team Turner Rodco will again represent. But you know, we're talking about us and the tournaments, but now the summer's so, coming. yeah, summertime you, fishing. You're, you're talking say, you're about saying, being prepared. Yeah, I want to know. You're saying pre- preparation for your body comes yes. two days. Two days before. Two days before your tournament. Two days before going out when it's 105 degrees. Stay away from the salty foods, one, because that's going to zap your body. I'm not a salty food guy anyway. Yeah, that's going to zap your body of hydration. Um, and then second, I've really started, I don't want to say enjoying is the right word, but the liquid IVs, I've been drinking a lot of those. They're a little those expensive. expensive. Yeah. They're a little expensive. You can get them at but, Costco, but they're, they're pricey. But I've had, you know, zero cramping issues. Um, tournament day, I felt, I felt good. Like I drank two on tournament day. I drank two the night before and then i drank one the day before that but i also drank nothing but water coconut water and liquid iv because i knew it was going to be crazy hot and another thing this is hard for me to do you need to limit the amount of caffeine you drink before a tournament now tournament morning dude i'm are you kidding i'm throwing back a bang i i mean i'm i'm throwing a bang i'm like having three i'm throwing one down tournament morning but i'm trying not to drink any the two days before and this is just personal um this is more of a i don't want to have to find a duck blind again (laughs) (laughs) yeah dry it up bro dry it up I drink pizza. I mean, I eat pizza the night before. Bread and cheese, baby. Bread and cheese. It's not uh, not salty. Get you some carbs in there. It's uh, it's good fuel. No, so to say. Or pizza, like, pizza if you want to be, if you want to be boring and eat like chicken and rice or chicken something and rice, like that. Eh, That's what I had boring. tonight. 
you can be boring and drink that. But I'll I'll take some pizza the night before a tournament. Now, that's so, not the best thing in the world, though. So you're talking about staying hydrated. You know, hydration is important because people don't realize, you know, you play your liquid. You no longer have a cooling system. Okay, think of yourself as a, a machine, right? Um, but one of the the ways that you can stay cool is not just making sure you're hydrated. Wearing good quality clothing. Wearing good quality clothing. My in-laws are blown away. And let me tell you why. Um, two years back, we had a vacation, and I bought everybody matching shirts, right? Because we were going to go do some like photos right some family photos so i bought everybody matching shirts and they all got a performance hoodie mm-hmm. and um they were like oh man chris we we see you wearing these all the time and you just look like you're like hot they're wearing. not and i'm like all. i'm like you're gonna put this on and you're gonna know exactly why i wear them all the time and now my mother-in-law and father-in-law wear performance hoodies constantly they're like this is this is the most most comfortable shirts because i'm not hot it Mm -hmm. keeps the sun off of your skin people the reason why you feel so damn hot is because the sun is literally cooking your epidermis radiating off of you and when once you're able to cover that up then it doesn't feel so hot you may feel a little stuffy Mm mm-hmm but it's not hot, and those hoodies, dude. Every chance I get, if I if it starts sliding down, I can feel like sun starting to penetrate my neck bone. Slide it right on back up. Yep. Throw the hood on. I what I do since I'm bald too is I'll put the hood on and then put my hat put on hat. top of the hood. That way my Look, head you doesn't get. Guys, I don't get man. my neck. Y'all get that funny, funny uh, suntan line from where the sun still makes makes it way its way through the hat. Right there in the back. Yep, <laughs> it, you get grid lines on top of your grid head. lines on top. So oh, it's rough. Beating beating the heat, man. So staying hydrated, wearing quality uh, UPF clothing, and mm-hmm. getting about... a good sunscreen too for us light, okay, light, light, okay, white folks. So, so what what do you consider a good sunscreen? I do not use the spray sunscreen anymore. It just I used to use it all the time. I've been burnt way too much with the spray sunscreen. Um it's not very sweat resistant at all. Now I use the stick. It's almost like a small deodorant stick. The Neutrogena. Um, there's Neutrogena, Banana Boat, and there's another brand that I'm trying just to see which one is the best for my face. The Neutrogena um, works really, really well. But I, I do have the Neutrogena, and the stick one, you don't get a mess on your hands. It seems to be more sweat-proof than the spray because, you know, even if, come 730, I'm sweating. Like, it's it's hot enough where I'm out there sweating. And that has seemed to help more is the actual stick rather than the spray. Because I'm wearing fishing shoes. I'm wearing fishing pants. I'm wearing a long sleeve hoodie. Literally, the only things that are exposed, if I forget my fishing gloves, are my hands 
my ears, my neck, and my face. Everything Things else that can is covered easily, up. easily have some, you know, sunblock to take care of. Mm-hmm. You don't, you're, or, not covering, or you're not lathering up your whole entire body. Yeah. So I buff. find that, that zinc sunblock is absolutely the best. Zinc sunblock, it's natural. But um, then you look like a nerd <clears> with like a white splotch on your nose or something. I don't give a shit what anybody <laughs> thinks I look like. Um, While you're out tournament fishing or fishing in the middle of the summer. Well, for one, I don't want you to stain my boat, okay? <laughs> and regular sunblock stains your boat. Um, is there's some sort of metal in there that rusts, and it rusts the, the white gel coat. Um, zinc works absolutely fine, and actually Scott, Captain Scott Knoll talks about the zinc um, sunblock all the time and, and how he's been using it for years. All right, so protecting your skin, protecting your, your inner body, being hydrated. Um, what else would you do to prepare for a 105-degree day? It's coming, dude. It's This weekend, it's going to be so friggin' hot. I mean, I also carry a small little cooler so I can have drinks. I mean, it's part of the hydration, but I carry carry drinks in there, and I'll have a towel that's stuffed down into the ice water mixture by half the day. Okay, it's so like a, water. some sort of, uh, what do they call those things, uh, froggies or no, just or... I just throw a regular terry cloth towel in there. It gets okay. cold enough. Wipe my face off, set it on my neck. You know, I do carry a large 32-ounce water bottle that literally is just packed to the very, You feel very... like 32 ounces is a large water bottle? Yeah. I mean, it's large enough. It's, that's all I want to mess with on a kayak. I don't want to mess with a big gallon jug. There's not enough room for all that. That would only I, be two 32 ounces, right? No, it's 128 ounces. I mean, they're yeah. huge, but I just keep one of those packed full of ice, and then I pour you know, the water in there, drink that, pour another water in there, drink that. Okay, so the so theory so about forth. drinking cold water on a hot day. Have I, you ever heard people say it's not good for you? They can say what they want. I, it refreshes it feels my good. <laughs> yeah, like, they can say what they want. I don't care. <laughs> I'm drinking. I'm drinking that. But I'm drinking like two liquid IVs while I'm out there too. I was actually fishing with a guy one time, and I had cold ice water in a cooler. And um, he had brought his own water in a bag. And I was like, hey, you want a cold water? He's like, oh, no, no, no. I, I've got water in my bag. It's ambient temperature. I'm like, well, hold on. I like tepid water too, but when... I'm out here, you know, getting beat a beat down from the sun. I want to have some cold water. Mm-hmm. Try and cool my body temperature down. He's like, no, it's actually really bad for you. It's not really bad for you. Your body just has to work a little bit harder because it wants it to be the same temperature as your body as it's going through your digestive tract and soaking into everything. So your body has to work a little bit to heat up really really cold water so it can metabolize everything in it but i like everything cold so my body's What's it got to metabolize how does water get metabolized well i'm saying metabolize to diffuse it across your cells <laughs> you have to well, but that's another thing why you don't want to drink eat a lot of salty stuff um, because the salt and the water content when it diffuses across the cells has to be about the same 
So if you're eating a bunch of salty stuff, it's going to take more water from your body in order to dissolve that salt. Well, did y'all come here for science lessons? Look, I can give some science. I'm usually the one making like fart jokes and poop jokes and stuff like that. I got to show my knowledge every once in a while. Well, let me tell you, man, most of these people came here for fishing knowledge, okay? And what in the hell this summer has gotten a lot of people really, 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 really twisted? And I had a conversation with a guy guy, um, about three days ago, and it was about tides. And the tides have been so ass backwards, just... Noah can't even keep up with them. Noah's predictions, title predictions, have been wrong more than they've been right. And nobody can really tell, like, what is it that's causing this? What is it that's causing these abnormal tides? Um, Global warming. Well, you know that we... I'm not getting into that shit. I'm not getting into that. The 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 earth heats up and cools down and there ain't a single person out there that no, let's not go. But that does that doesn't mean it's not happening. Okay. Do you think that in one year's time that global warming is now has now turned our tides up on their end? No, I mean, I'm not saying I know I, I was being sarcastic, but I think more water in the ocean can definitely affect um, how our tides are working. It, theoretically, you the more water that is in the ocean, no, I don't know if that's completely true. No, yeah. The more water that's there, the less water is actually going to be moved out. So... You're not sure, or you don't know exactly know how tides work. No, I know how tides work. It's a gravitational pull of the moon on the actual oceans, and it pulls it out almost into not a bubble, but it, we it are pulls in a out. It what well, it we pulls out a to a it pulls the oceans out into more of an oblong shape instead of a cylindrical shape. When the moon's the gravity is, just is rotating on that, the Earth is just rotating within that bubble. Yes, that 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 oblong shape is is constantly rotating and moving around the world. Yes, right? depending around on the, the pull, depending on the pull of the moon on so, that area. So we had we had a couple of days where the tide was supposed to come in at a specific time it started coming in way earlier and then never stopped coming in mm-hmm. and on days where we're not supposed to have tides go out we were having tides go out and just disappear water was disappearing right um we don't have we don't typically have outgoing tides during the summer that that take all the water away mm-hmm. we don't have dump tides in the summer no. But we've had dump tides. Like right now, the water level in Galveston t- this morning was like a foot and a half low. Are they wind driven? Well, no. There's no the wind. Wind's been, the wind's been coming out of the south, southwest. 
Well, dude, the, the past three days, there's been absolutely no wind. Mm-hmm. So what happens when there's no wind? It should allow more water to come back in because those artificial tides, which are caused by the wind, are now gone. Chris, there's only one explanation for this. Freaking aliens. Aliens have knocked the earth off of its normal axis. Man, screwing I've been up, trying to screwing up the this. tides. I've been trying to tell you that's that is why we're going to Mars, dude. We're gonna go confront this shit head on, and we're gonna tell them stop messing with our fishing. <laughs> Quit messing with our tides, man. Stop, stop messing with our so, tides. D- tides, tides taken to a, a, a huge portion of of what it is that you're actually trying to do whenever you're uh, planning a fishing trip, and especially whenever you're planning for tournament fishing. So when you're looking at tides, you would expect that prediction to help you along the way. So what I've tried to do here to combat the summer craziness that is 2022 is I'm now skipping a week. If I want to fish... You're going a week ahead. If I want to fish a specific condition... In in tides, I'm I'm predicting or I'm trying to predict a week out, skipping over an entire week. I will pre-fish or fish conditions that are in a weekend that are similar to what's happening two weekends from now. That way, at least there's the. Well, I have no idea what that's supposed to be. This is me having an intervention with you, Chris. <laughs> now, do you think that you are extremely overthinking all of this right now? <clears throat> no, not at all. Not at all, because um, I my frustration level it was so high in in being greeted by abnorm- abnormalities that I had to start thinking more about it. And when I did that, fishing became a little bit better, okay? Because then I could actually somewhat match a condition. If it happened to me that week, that weekend, then most likely it's going to happen to me again two weekends later. Mm. Okay, skip a week. The next week after that, the conditions are probably... That is the pattern that I'm realizing right now. This summer has given us that pattern. The pattern of non-patterns. Or the pattern of skip ahead a week. It's just... These these tides and and the, the current weather has not been consistent with what we've had over the past three or four years to give us consistent fishing patterns week to week. For some reason, I'm seeing more of a pattern every other week. So talk about those patterns a little bit, you know, not about the tides and everything. What pattern are you finding that? is the pattern that you're going to try to target now that it's 105 degrees outside. 
Well, I'm going to, I know that these, these incoming tides are really strong. Okay. An incoming tide in the morning, um, is not playing around. You're getting and, some flow. You're getting some flow through yeah, all those marsh drains and, and everywhere that you're fishing. That water that disappears is is rushing back. And if we have any wind, if we have no wind, like I said, then the artificial tide is not coming into play, right? So it allows some things to normalize, but it also allows the water to rush back um, without any intervention. Or leave without any intervention. If you have that strong southern wind, which is what we should have during this. We, dude, we had two days of north winds in the summer. That was weird. Yeah. So, anyway, trying to find a pattern for where you're fishing and um, and the times that you're fishing during the summertime this year, I believe is very difficult. You're going to have to, of course, with, with most people, did you just send me a message? Yeah, go ahead. Read it. Let's... <laughs> um, <clears throat> you're you're going to have to spend some time on the water getting used to the areas that you're fishing and the conditions. Um, but... <sighs> Man, for the, for those guys who aren't trying to capitalize on on fishing, just go out there and have a good time, right? We never want to take that away from from people. You know? Yeah. If you're today, going I to didn't s- give a shit what the conditions were like. I was going to fish for twelve hours. Well, I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say if you're going out there just to have fun, get your butt off the water by noon. <laughs> like, get out there, butt crack of dawn, get off the water by noon, and don't put yourself out there you know completely exerted uh dying of thirst and you still got two miles to get back to the truck so it's 104 so what if what if you're somebody like me where the heat doesn't bother you this does the heat of the day dictate what tactics you should use while you're on the water yes and no yes and no i've i've found fish where i did not think they should be when it was noon and 97 degrees and they're in skinnier water i mean they're in a foot of water and i i did not think that they should have been there like I, why well i i as I, someone told you that no i figured they would be in a little deeper water i mean i'm thinking channels in main lakes that are maybe two foot three foot um in the actual main lakes um maybe in some creeks or bayous you figured that somebody didn't tell you that i mean we've talked about it on this show a lot of people talk about it we've talked about it with many people but for some reason this year we've been finding them in a foot of water Okay. On shorelines in the middle of the day. So you've you've heard me talk about this before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thermal redfish. Convection. And we're talking we're talking about redfish. Okay, guys, we always talk about redfish. We might as well just turn this freaking podcast into the redfish show. I don't know. The but redfish we're playbook. About, we're talking about redfish, right? And and we're we're kayakers, so we're typically we're typically fishing skinny water. Um mm-hmm. 
there are kayakers out there all over the world that like to fish deep water kayaking in lakes, uh, rivers, streams, offshore, you name it. But for all, for us, Drew and myself, we're typically fishing skinny, and most of the listeners to the show fish, fish skinny. And skinny is three foot or less. Yeah. So there is this theory out there that when the water gets hot, fish move to deeper water. And guess what? When the water gets cold, fish move to de- deeper, deeper water. water. They Okay, fish are cold-blooded, right? Am I right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if they are or not, but they have. They tend to have problems regulating their body temperature, from what I understand. Drew is totally Googling this shit right now. Our fish, cold-blooded. Um, they're not reptiles. They're not, um, you know, amphibians. Fish you know, are cold-blooded. But fish are cold-blooded. Yes. So they need their environment to help regulate their body temperature however they also need to eat okay and in my opinion you've heard me say this before fish learn to hunt and they learn to hunt based off of the environment in which they're in so those feeders those fish that usually feed along rock groins don't just up one day and just go ah you know what I'm going to go eat in the marsh today. No, they stay They stay they, there. They stay there on the riprap. They stay there on those, um, on those rocks. They stay there on those jetties. And that's where they feed. These fish that typically live in the back lakes of, of marsh systems, I firmly believe they don't leave. And that's why you see them there when it's 100 degrees outside. And it's only two foot of water or one foot of water. Well, here, here's the thing. They're too. hungry. They need to eat. And this, this may be given too much away, but they're still back there eating shad. We haven't had the shad kill yet. Oh, what the hell is up? Uh, dude, I followed a bait ball today that was a mile long. Mm-hmm. We, it, it's been hot, but we haven't had like a big shad. I've seen some places... There's been some posts on Facebook, but you usually see way more than that by this time of year. Somehow, um, Galveston water temperature is still only like 82 degrees. The shad... Fort O'Connor is like 91. The, the shad have not been killed yet where we have been fishing. So the redfish are still in the areas where it's shallow and the shad are hanging out. They haven't moved out of those so areas. So what happens if the shad leave? I'm... I, there's still I'm, another food source there for them. They're, they're still going to eat something. They're still going to start eating mullet. shrimp, mullet. Um, there's another thing iPhone that they've cases. been eating. Not mine. I got an Android. Um, ain't eating that. But I'm uh, I'm finding that they're still, they're still in that shallow water, man. They have not started moving to deeper waters within the same marsh system where you would expect them, middle of the lake and things like that. I, I believe that they don't even get pulled out on a, on a hard outgoing tide. Some of them may, just because they, they may follow some of the bait that they liked or the food source that they prefer. Mm-hmm. But most of those guys, they, they know that they can just chill back there 
And there's still going to be food for them. I don't think they're going more than 50 yards if they don't have to. Like, they're staying in the same 50-yard square all the time. And unless it's a really, really huge tide that moves them out of there, they're not going anywhere else. They're, They're staying in that same area. So my fishing day today went like this. 4 a.m., I get up, I leave, I go hit the water by 5. I'm on the water, and I'm fishing some lights, just trying to tool around for a little bit until the sun is what I consider safe. You know, I have enough safe light to make my way across Galveston Bay. I make my way across Galveston Bay, and I instantly see redfish eating. That's the thing that, like, everybody's used to, is redfish eating first thing in the morning. That's why we all try to get up out on the water first thing in the morning before the sun comes up. So we can kind of wake up with the world, but also because redfish tend to eat as that sun's coming up. And you can usually find them feeding on the grass lines, you know, things like that. But the redfish that I found only ate for like 10 minutes. That, that was, was it. it. That was it. They had their feel. And they stopped. But the trout seemed to have been feeding all day long. I mean, I could have sat there and caught trout until the sun went down. They were just gorging on on uh, shad. And you but were on my way them to... on that El Chapo, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, I wore El Chapo out. Um, to the point to where, yeah, one of I lost one of his back hooks. Um, chuck, 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 Straight retrieve, you know, rip and pause, rip and pause, rip and pause. It didn't matter. They were they were eating it. Um, but on my way back in, I always take this one one route that leads into a back lake, and I kind of just poke around in that back lake. It's a really really big lake, and today. I saw evidence of schools and I stopped and I was like, looked at my clock. I was like, damn, it's like two thirty or two o'clock. I'm like, it's two o'clock. It's hot. These fish are schooling. There were like just three, four different schools and one that just would not break up. No matter how many fish I caught out of it, the school stayed together. And just kept moving around. And this was all on top water, or did you switch over to wake bait? Uh, this was all still on the. Um, I, I consider the Chapo a crankbait. Oh. So it's still a crankbait. Yeah, so you have to stop it. In my opinion, when, when you're approaching a school like that with, with a crankbait, um, you need to give it a little wiggle on the outskirts, get something to kind of look over at it, and then pause it. Wait for them to slurp it, you know, and then let them run for a little bit. Why do you consider it a crankbait? Because you're cranking to make it work. Eh, I can see the logic. Yeah. I don't. I don't agree, but I can see the logic. It's a okay. Is a wake bait a topwater? No, because it's subsurface. No, a real wake bait is a top water, but it's, it's not. It's not on. on it's top. not. It's not on top of the water. It's considered a top water. 
It has um, a lip on it like it's a categorized as a topwater, but it's a crankbait, right? Just because it has a lip, okay, viableless crankbaits or, or lipless crankbaits, are they crankbaits just because they don't have a lip? I mean, what, what kind of logic are we trying to follow here? But it, it, they go under the water. And it's a it's a steady well it's they work best with a steady retrieve steady retrieve gets them down subsurface crank cranking yes you crank it down yeah you don't crank down a chopo it don't you go crank, down you crank on no matter chopo. how much you crank it it doesn't go down you can it's crank my, that some bitch as much as you want it will not go under the water it, well it's it's in my category of crankbaits but anyway <laughs> it's a top um, water sir. So at two two o'clock, when it's like literally the hottest time of the day, you're seeing and schools, a, and in a foot of water, I'm surrounded by schools. So when I start seeing these things with my own two eyes, and I'm experiencing them on a regular basis, when I hear people tell me that fish will not be in shallow water because it's too hot, I'm like. There's no hard and fast rule that says that has to be that way because I see them there. In fact, I will search them out even in hot conditions in shallow water. Chris. What? I need to look at your message again. Other than the spawn, what is the number one thing that is on a fish's mind? Um, food and sex, dude. Food and sex. Yeah, that's, that's it. Like... Other than the spawn, the only thing that's on their mind is food. So if the food is still in the shallows, the fish have no reason to right now leave the shallows. Right now, they're also eating shrimp. Lots of shrimp. Yeah. So they're in and, the shallows. That's where they're going to be. And if you guys are looking for a new color that's working, or or looking for a color that is really hot right now that is working, white and pink. White and pink right now is just getting hammered. Chartreuse. You like pink? The pink gives a... Um, dude, we were in those bait balls. Okay. And another phenomenon this year that just I can't understand. I don't understand. Typically, when fish are slashing through bait balls, you can't get them to hit anything, right? Mm-hmm. We've gotten them to hit white and pink under a popping cork. In bait balls. A in popping cork in bait balls. Slashing through the bait balls. Started using that tactic about four weeks ago, and today I used it on that mile-long stretch of bait balls, and that's how I um, just cleaned up. Oh, wow. Besides the chopo, it was the white and pink um, gulp, uh, not the mantis shrimp, but the regular shrimp. Mm-hmm. Under a popping cork. Oh, and guess what? I didn't have any monofilament, so I used a braid leader. Still it worked caught just him. fine. Still it caught him. Worked just fine. I'm I'm starting to be on the the bandwagon of you don't need a a big fluoro or mono leader. You do in some areas, man. If you're fishing Aransas, those fish are spooky. Get if you're it in fishing. Front of their face. Um. Oh, and you know. I took uh, Scott Story fishing on Friday on the skiff. And the fish were so damn spooky, they would 
react to a line in the air that hadn't even hit the water yet. I don't understand that. You know, how the hell they see and react to a line that is still in the air, but they would. Do you think so, it was the line in the air or the fact that the boat was, they could see the boat? Uh, you're casting, I mean, we're not right on top of fish. Mm-hmm. I don't you're know casting they, a good ways away from them? Yeah. Yeah, you're still making 30, 40 yard casts. That's, a, that's some spooky fish, man. They were they were really really freaking spooky, yep. It was hard to catch fish on Friday. Wasn't hard to catch them today. The salooner was in my favor. Friday it was not. Well, the salooner from a week ago was in your favor today. <laughs> if we're following your two weeks following ago, your got it. Oh, two weeks ago. Okay, the two weeks ago, the salooner table was <laughs> was in your way. Uh, Man, so, I'm telling you guys, if y'all are trying to plan a trip, look at look at things from, you know, not last weekend. Look at them from two weeks ago. See how things were going. Well, that, and I think you just need to be ready to try plan B. And make plan B completely different than plan A. Like, if you're not finding them shallow, hugged up against the shoreline, then go to a place where it's, quote unquote, deep and hit those areas and then if that ain't working you know try place another place that is completely different don't get stuck grinding 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 a certain area of water just go out there and explore especially if you're are just you fishing grinding 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 a certain area of water because you feel like the fish are there or because you actually see fish are there yeah see well that's that's the difference that's what i'm saying like if you think the fish are there and you're grinding out of area because that's where they're supposed to be or that's where they were last time or that's where they were two times ago when you went, like don't get stuck just grinding out that area if you are not seeing signs of fish or signs of life in that area. So like, one of the mistakes... Move around. One of the mistakes I believe that we actually made in the last GRS was that we moved too soon. Um, the pattern that we found, um, a few weeks back was that the redfish would school and then they would follow the bait as the bait got moved with the incoming tide to the next lake. And then they would start feeding again over that, that bait. Drew actually, I think he went to go make a poop or something. He has left the screen. He didn't tell me where he was going. He has disappeared. <clears throat> but anyway, as these fish moved from one lake to the next, and they would follow that bait as the, the tide, the incoming tide, pulled that bait into the back lakes, um, we would find that those fish would feed for a moment, move, and then start feeding again um, somewhere around like the 11 o'clock hour. This particular time, they didn't do that. They didn't move from one lake to the next. They somehow managed to keep that bait in the front lake without ever having the tide pick them up and move them. Um, and which was crazy because we had this 
insane southern wind, which was actually creating an additional incoming tide or additional water movement with the incoming tide. So I'm telling you guys, I'm confused about it all. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I think I've got some things figured out, but it's taken way too much time for this particular uh, year. And it could be also that I haven't had that time on the water. Like we were talking about at the very beginning, you know, the experience that you gain from time on the water is paramount in your success. And I often talk about the differences in time on the water in a kayak versus time in the water in a boat. Yes, I do fish out of both. So when I bounce back and forth, my environment changes so much. You wouldn't think that it does. In fact, when we buy a kayak, you hear Drew, he's talked about it. You know, if I only had a kayak, I could get to that shoreline over there and catch those fish. There's obviously fish over there where I can't just get to from standing on the bank. And then you buy the kayak and then you're like, man, if I just had a skiff or a boat, I could get to that water over there and I could catch those fish. And what you don't realize is that it's not that easy. It's not just because we were catching fish just fine as a bank fisherman. And then we bought a kayak and now the whole, all the rules have changed. All the tactics have changed. You have to completely learn a new way to fish. Um, and then you, you may move into a boat and now you're like, I don't know how to fish out of a boat. The environment in which you're fishing totally dictates a lot of your tactics and also your reaction to fishing. The reaction that I've had in to, to fishing lately, um, has not been my, my seasoned normal reaction. Um, Drew's back now, so I'm going to recap just a little bit. I'm talking about how the different environment from bank fishing, kayak fishing, boat fishing, as you move from those stages and different types of fishing, that environment dictates many different aspects of how you're going to fish. And I've failed recently in altering or actually adapting to those environments, possibly because my time on the water has been split between both boat fishing and kayak fishing. If I'm going to in, intend to hit the podium again as a kayak fisherman, I may need to put more butt time in the kayak and less time in the boat. You're still on mute, by the way. Do you care to hear what I think from just listening to you talk about your tournament day and everything like that? And just knowing you, you, and you talking, probably think I'm overthinking a lot of things. No, no, no. So it's something completely different, and I didn't realize it until um, you just said it, and then I had some time to think um, using the restroom. Um, so you. On the skiff, you're usually taking someone else with you. You're usually trying to put them on fish. 
And the easiest way for you to put them on fish is by finding a school, getting to that school, pulling fish out of the school. Now, you have told me and our listeners many, many, many times that the lazy ones, the fat ones, they are not in schools. They are lazy. They are hanging out by themselves. And when I heard your tournament recap, you were just talking about you guys were targeting the schools that you saw. And in the first uh, tournament recap that you talked about, you said they weren't where they were, but you did find some schools. I think you're chasing schools too much. You need to get back to finding those stragglers that you've you've been telling us for you know yes. 64 no, right. episodes to not hey Drew target the schools that's 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 just I, what i realized though that just GRS GRS1 and GRS2 um i i was i was not targeting schools um in fact GRS2 i were i was on singles the that most were, of the time yeah, they were, and they were solid eight pounds. Every single one that I caught was a solid eight pounds, just by either by itself or with one other fish. And they just weren't in the same location. No, I couldn't get there. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I couldn't. You get guys there. couldn't the get back was, to it. The, the water was non-existent. But I think that does have something to do with it, though, because you're wanting to put people on fish so much in your skiff. And you're looking for the fish so they can see the fish and they can sight cast. I don't think in the kayak you're hitting the areas hard enough where you think that there's going to be fish. I think it's it's mainly a an environmental change that you have to completely adapt to. And And I have not been able to effectively and efficiently adapt between the one and the other. And, you know, a lot of people I've known, I well, I can't say a lot of people. I've known a few people that have bought bought skiffs and say, oh man, we're going to kill it in the kayak division because now we can go cover more water, cover more water in the skiff, bounce from point to point to point and, and, you know, check the, these areas out. Well, what you don't realize is that that environment, that fishing environment, is completely different at that in the skiff than it. Is. I won't, I won't prefish in the skiff anymore. How many times have you been going from one point and to another point and caught a fish on the skiff? I don't usually. Yeah, because you're 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 getting. I'll grind. There. I'll grind it just like. In a kayak, I'll I know where I'm going to go fish, and I will grind that whole entire area. Mm-hmm. I'm moving just as fast as as a as a kayak, you know, and I'm covering the same amount of water. Well, I'm saying like in in spots that you want to hit within a system, like when you're done fishing a system and you're like I'm going to move, you're usually you get in the skiff, you hammer down, you get to the next place. Now, in a kayak, you don't have that luxury. You hit a spot that you want to hit, and then you're like, oh, man, maybe they're back over here in this lake. You've got a a nice, slow, leisurely paddle to get there, and 
a lot of the times you can pick up a fish on your way to that oh, other sure. place that you're trying to yeah. fish. You're 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 actually paying attention to your environment the whole entire time that as yes. you're traversing from one area to the next. Um, yeah, you're much more in tune um, to your environment. You're much more connected mm-hmm. to the whole the, area that you're yeah. fishing. To the whole area that you're fishing, and that's just For the differences sure. between the differences between the two you can cover a heck of a lot more water with that motor (laughs) you can and i think you can pick up on patterns a lot easier in a kayak Mm -hmm. um because you are connected you're you're so much closer to the surface where everything's actually happening Mm -hmm. where in a boat even a skiff you can disconnect yourself from that very quickly yeah you see, you, let me tell you, perfect point. I was stuck for an hour and a half today. And while I was stuck, I got blown up on the, we weren't supposed to have any, again, we weren't supposed to have any wind this morning, but we ended up having like 15 mile an hour winds out of the north for the first like two hours of the morning. So I got blown on this, up onto this sandbar and I couldn't get off of it. Um, so I sat there for like an hour and a half. And while that was happening, I was just watching my environment, taking it all in. What's going on here? What's going on there? And I saw like these, you know, pelicans and um, seagulls just not, they were not leaving this one area and they just kept bombing it over and over and over and over again. And I said, once I get unstuck from this sandbar, I'm going over there to find out what the hell's going on. And that's when I found that bait ball that stretched. Literally, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure it out how long it stretched, but I'm telling you, it must have been close to a mile. Just a mile of bait balls in the shallows, huh? What had to be shallow, you were stuck. <laughs> no, once I once I got out of that area, once I got unstuck, it was that area was like two and a half foot. So it wasn't deep water. It was on a flat. Um, but yeah, that and the the water, like I said, in in, um, in Galveston is like eighty two degrees right now. So all right, I'm looking at it right now. My distance. Wow, dude, that bait ball was over one point six miles long. I believe it. Could you tell what kind of bait it was? It was shad. Still shad. I think that's the thing. I think that's why a, a lot of these fish right now are still in shallow water. Is A large majority of the shad have not been killed off in the shallow water yet. Oh, yeah. And I saw, I saw a black tip shark was circling my boat today, too. And that sucker was like, had to have been six, seven foot long. It was waiting for some of them trout. That's what it wanted. Wanted some of them trouts. Chris, man, you got anything else you want to touch on with this summertime? Well, stuff, you know, man? I know we 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 were all over the place, guys, and there's a lot of summertime stuff that you need to keep in mind. One is keeping yourself in tip-top form and condition because it is freaking hot, and we do not need anyone out there enjoying something like kayaking and getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Two, 
don't believe everything people try to tell you about summertime fishing because one this world is turned upside down right now we are in the upside down shit is not the way it's supposed to be we we have not been finding fish in deeper water so that's there's still that's in it. the shallows dude yeah i'm not um, finding this, fish in deeper water at all this summer came on with a vengeance bro i mean it it started during the springtime and we were like already like 85 you know and getting some of those 90 degree days already in the spring we knew it was going to be hot but um don't leave fish to find fish okay that was one of the major screw-ups that I think we made in the last GRS. We left fish to find fish. Don't freaking do it. Find different tactics that they will react to. Sit there and change it. If you need, if you feel like something needs to be changed, don't change your location. If there are still fish there, change your tactic. What else I, you got? For I agree. Food? I mean, don't eat your pizza. Um, Ugh, I re- gross. I really like the liquid IV. The uh, orange is my favorite, closely followed by the passion fruit. Um, make sure that you pee at least once during, during the summer. If you haven't peed and it's 11 o'clock and you've been fishing all day and you've drank an energy drink and you're drinking all this water... You need to drink more. Keep keep drinking. Drink more. Drink more. Drink more until you have to go pee. Because if you're not peeing, then you're not hydrated enough. So get out there. Try to stay off the cerveza um, when it's this hot outside too. I'll save them for afterwards. Afterwards, okay. It's just man, I'll start cramping up at night if I drink anything nowadays. Anything will make me cramp up. But stay in the shallows, man, until the bait is not in the shallows anymore. And then go go hit them there. Chris, are you going to uh you gonna be fishing any any more tournament series after GRS this year? Um, okay, so the next big one that's coming up and, and that's what Drew is hinting at here is the Elite. That's um, kicking back off. But that's five, $500, man. It's a big tournament. Big money. Um, yeah, I'm right now I'm not confident enough to actually do that. So let's take that as a, as a no for right now. Um, Danny Wentz, if you would like to sponsor the Paddler's Playbook and the Elite Redfish Series, we would, uh, we would definitely take that. I know you listen to the show. Just, just throwing it out there. If if we have a sponsor um for for the elite um it'll be worth my time to to go out there and grind it and find the fish and trying to bring bring back a W. Yeah, cuz $500 is a lot to drop if you're not going to place at all. You know what I mean? Like yep. Yep. that's 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 a truck payment. Like There's, that <laughs> There's a lot of guys right now that are um, so excited about it. They've come out of retirement, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. I'm suspicious. <laughs> suspicious of you, too. Suspicious. Only come out if it's $500. Yeah. 
So we'll see. We will see how it all goes. Head on over to the group page, the playbook. Post there if you guys want to win some great prizes for Mariner sales. Get over to Real Sportswear. Check out some of their premier performance hoodies for fishing. Because literally that's all me and Chris wear, I believe. Other than my team jersey. I think that's all we wear. Is there anything else that you wear other than real sportswear now on the water? Um, I I have slowly been purging everything from my clothing that is not either real sportswear or uh, from Rex. There you go. Or the live live. Yep, live live. Nothing else. Just, you know what, man? Just, I just want to support my homie, you know? Yep. And, guys, we are going to have some more guests lined up here very very everybody's just thinking busy man yeah everybody's everybody's busy it's been it's been hard to get guests lined up um we've just got to get back on the calendar get some guests if there's some guests that you guys want to hear from if there's some topics that you want to hear make sure to let us know and the place to let us know is the playbook group page there on facebook or shoot us a message on Instagram. Shoot, 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 shoot us a message on Instagram. Let us know what you guys want to hear. Chris, you got anything else before we no, get man. out of here, man? You've asked me that seven times already. I'm going to go get hydrated. I got a tournament this I, weekend. I thought he said he was going to go get high. <laughs> no, hydrated. Hydrated. All right, homie. Peace. See you guys later.